Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In today's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast, my guest is passionate about scaling teams and building processes and cultivating a winning culture. She talked about three levels of chief revenue officers. First is builders, scalers is second, and then steady state. Now, as a scaler, she said you must focus on first structure, then process, and then people, which is different as a builder CRO that focuses on people first. She talked about her experience of being in sales leadership for well over 10 10 years and the recent changes to women in sales post-pandemic and what we need to do to encourage more women into sales. My next guest has over 15 years leadership experience with over 12 of those in sales. She is currently serving as the Chief Revenue Officer at Smartbug Media, a digital agency for leading marketing, sales, client delivery and product. Outside of her day job, she is very active in educating the executive community through Pavilion and leading a cohort of over 2,000 revenue executives globally. So welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Stephanie Valenti. Thank you. So excited to be here. I'm really excited uh, that you've come on as a guest. You've got such an interesting background with the companies that you've worked for. Now, I have an inclination that you're the common denominator, that the companies you've worked with are hitting the, the top companies to to work for and meeting all their targets is it you is it you Stephanie (laughs) I wouldn't say just me it's been some right timing it's been the team and the collaboration around me but it has been a heck of a ride a ton of fun and I'm excited to to share about it a little bit today well you know that is a quite a typical answer for a female sales leader (laughs) Stephanie Often men will be, oh, yes, it's all me. It's all me. And and this is um, uh, International Women's Day that we're actually recording this, but it will be going out uh, in the month of of, um, uh, women and empowerment. And we know that in sales leadership, the number of sales leaders like yourself, revenue leaders, has decreased, recently decreased post-pandemic. But it's been pretty stagnant at around 17% for years. So what's happening, Stephanie? What do we need to do? What's happening? Um, What's your thoughts? Yeah, I have so many thoughts on this topic. So, um, you know, I think 
I think originally, if I even think back to, I'll share an example. My time at Very, I had walked in to their sales organization and it was nothing but, um, all, it was all men and everyone looked very much the same and graduated from very similar schools. And I immediately knew like, that's not what makes a sales organization, but that is the, that, so that foundation right there is the problem. If we aren't hiring people in, in entry-level roles that give a good amount of diversity and, and female presence, then they're not going to have the opportunity to learn, which is means they're not going to get into leadership, which means they're never going to hit that C-level. And so I, I hope that we are starting to get in a transition where if we look at the actual frontline sellers and even sales managers, we're starting to have an increase in, in female population, which will eventually make it to the top. But during the pandemic, a lot of people pulled back, right? Somebody needed to stay home and educate the children and the women were raising their hands. So a portion pulled out. In addition to that, Companies weren't growing. Well, at least some companies weren't growing during the <laughs> pandemic. And so, and so um, there weren't opportunities for advancement. And so that elevation of a woman getting her first BDR, SDR, um, sales rep position, and being able to transition up into leadership, the leadership positions aren't available. And so I think that created some stagnation as well. Um, but but I am so hopeful at all of the work that you know you're doing, I'm doing, other people out there in the world that are really promoting female leadership will start to come to fruition as we give it the time needed to be able to elevate into senior roles. Mary Shea brought this to the fore that um, some research are on post-pandemic. Um, I think uh, they... If the population, and not just in sales, but it's often amplified in sales, if the population of men to women in in uh, managers and and leadership roles, generally across industries, is thirty nine percent, the amount of women that exited um, through layoffs, this is. The industry was 60, uh, sorry, it was 46%. So a higher proportion layoffs as opposed to volunteering to leave. So this is why not just sales, but other industries, we seem to be the, the easy scapegoat. How can we start to change that? Because as you say, many of the, the, leaders, the leadership makeup is typical male <laughs> yeah. not very diverse yeah. they are making the power decisions right. of who's going and so what you say see needs to change if we're going to make sure that more are being recruited because that's what we're asking for right right you know, I think there's a lot of studies around verbiage choice and job description, right? Maybe. <laughs> I think sharing stories like this, right? Like being able to come on and for a woman be able to be able to hear, that's my situation. That's me. That's where I'm at. I can relate to this person. And if they can do it, I can do it. And I think sometimes we don't do that enough, right? Like I joined a, um, a, uh, a webinar the other day and they're like, oh, I was a last minute ad. And the reason they added me is they're like, we really needed a woman. And I'm like, 
was it that hard? Like, was it really that hard to find somebody and do it last minute? So I think that's number one. We've got to get more exposure and, and women that are in similar roles to me. I'm sorry. It's your responsibility to raise your hand and do this more. Right. I know so so many women that stay out of the limelight in their in their CRO roles or in their VP of sales roles. And they say, well, I just do my work and I have time for my family. And, and I, I get that. But there's so few of us. Who else is going to show yeah. other women that it's okay, that you can do it, that you can picture someone like me in this seat? And, and so it's a, it's a responsibility. Um, so I think that's another piece there. Outside of that, intentionality right? And, and, and going after people and, and mentoring people. And that's at all levels. And men need to do it too, right? I promise you that your sales force of, of five gentlemen that all look the same would be so much more productive and successful if you throw some diversity in there. Like, I promise you, not all, not all thoughts are the same thoughts. <laughs> so... And, you know, their customers are diverse as well. So it's just reflective, you know, of their customers. But I think there's a real challenge here, isn't there? Because as you say, it's it's your responsibility. I often um, say you've got to lift as you climb. So it's your responsibility to mentor other women through 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 the ranks. However, we all know that women have more responsibility in their personal life. So now you're in a challenging role. Many more people are looking at you to make sure you hit your targets that you deliver because you're in a minority, whether, you know, female or, you know, ethnic minority. And then they're putting more on your plate so that you now have to be the voice of the company. You have to mentor. You have to be on your game. And, you you know... There is so much more on your plate. And a lot of that you're not paid for. All of that extra work (laughs) you're not paid for. Then you have all of these extra responsibilities. Women are getting burnt out by this. And ethnic minorities are getting burnt out by this. So as much as we want to do this, there's a real challenge there. You think, oh, if I raise my head above the pulpit, I'm going to burn out. What, and I know you've been there. You, you've spent 15 years in senior leadership. So how have you managed it? I don't know that I have. Like, honestly, I don't. I, I talk about this all the time. I, I think about like, gosh, am I bad at overcommitting? I've really got to figure out how to not overcommit. Um, you know, I'm in community and I got a note this morning of someone's like, hey, I looked at your CRO school and I need some help. Do you have 20 minutes for me? And what do you think I said? Sure. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Right. And of course that's not a paid opportunity, but I, you know what, I, I look at it like it's filling my cup. Like it's what I just, I love helping other people. And, and if they walk away and say, gosh, I am better at what I do today because Stephanie helped me with 30 minutes of her time, then it does fill my cup. However, you are right. It is a lot. And at times I am tired. Like I am, I am tired. Um, and it does take a toll on, you know, I have three children, one's in, um, in college, so he's not in the house, but the other two, um, are here and I need to make sure that I'm balancing what I'm giving at work, what I'm giving my community and what I'm giving my family. And it is often out of whack. And so sometimes I'll look at it like a 
teeter-totter almost, right? Of like, where did I spend my time today? And is am I off kilter? And do I need to even it out so that at least I'm keeping myself sane and healthy? Um, but but with that, people, if people ask me, what is my hobby, Janice, I don't know what to say. <laughs> mentoring others they're like oh, okay right <laughs> i don't i go, don't have oh, a lot yeah, of personal right. time these days <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> my personal time is when i sleep <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes so talk to me about scaling teams this is something you're really passionate about building the team and creating a culture a winning culture talk to me about that yeah, yeah. So I I do look at there's there's three types of truly like CROs. There's your builders, right, with nothing and they have to build it from scratch. There's your scalers and there's your sustainers, right, who are in big organizations and they have sustain and and do a lot of change management and small tweaks. I love the middle, right? I love coming into something that was able to get to 50 million or even 100 million and they're like we don't know how to get to the next step. And that's where I am just so, so passionate. Um, I look at it as a three-step always, especially in scaling. This is not applicable to, applicable to building, but scaling, you've got to do structure, process, then people, and in that order. And generally, this is a bit disruptive because what you find is in the builder stage, people do people, then structure, then process. And so you've hired all of these people based on some really special talents, but how do you get them to fit into a structure that's scalable, repeatable, right? And and that's what a business is, right? It's an actual like repeatable process of something that can continue on past an individual. And so um so let me let me explain more about my three. Right. So structure is um, truly doing a good organizational design, building boxes for the business and really thinking about how should things um, how should things operate within an organizational structure. You don't put names in boxes. You just build your foundation. Then you build the process in which those teams work together or those boxes work together. And then you put those beautiful people into the boxes at the end based on their skill sets and their talents. And so um, that is always the first thing that I do. And I even will write it on a post-it and put it on my thing to keep my mind where it needs to be. Because just because someone has an unbelievable special talent doesn't mean that they're in the right role anymore when you start scaling. I think that's really interesting. I have a, a diagnostic tool based on company data, their own data, it will tell you if this is the right person to recruit. It will tell you the people that you already have on your team if they're in the right role. Often, yes. they're not in the right role, so they can't not. succeed, and they're spending a lot of energy, and you know they're getting yes. down about it. Um, and so it's really useful doing that process of the structure and the process before you put people um, in it. So there must have been occasions where you realize that people are in the right, the right company, but the wrong role. How do you manage that process? Yeah, um, it's different in every organization I've been because our situation has been quite different. Um, I will use an example of something that was quite drastic, right? I had um, a team of 40 people. 
Um, they were doing a role in which there was no standardization, no true like job description, no standardization in salary. Um, they answered the phone. If someone placed an order, they got credit, right? And we needed to scale and transition from e-commerce, B2C into a true B2B channel drive. And so, um, so there was a lot of change, if you can imagine. Um, it was it was a lot of time, but what I ended up doing is saying, we're going to do individual, like almost mini interviews of skill set evaluation in one-on-ones. I'm going to understand what we have. I had already built the structure to the side. And then I announced, here are the new roles we have within this organization. There were some, a small amount of what was existing. Um, and we did mini interviews. Everyone had a place. So this wasn't too scary. It was about let's look to the future and let's talk about like how you can develop in these different roles and what they mean. And so we built something together as a team because I let them be a part of that process. There was a lot of change management that happened after, as if you can imagine. Um, but I found that to be very helpful. Now that was larger scale. If there's one person and they are brilliant in the organization, they're intelligent, they're culturally aligned, they check all your boxes, but the role just doesn't fit. Sometimes it's really hard, especially if they're higher level in New York, let's say they're a senior director or a VP or something like that. Um, you don't always just have an extra couple hundred K sitting around that you can customize for them, right? So sometimes you can find it and make it work. And sometimes you have to have that hard conversation where it's like, you're amazing, but are you truly doing what you love within this organization today? And a lot of times it can be really healthy um, and really um, on both sides, right? But for that person too, because they come to the realization, like, this isn't what I want to do. And can you help me find what I should do? And then you turn more, instead of leader and employee, you turn mentor and you help that person find their next thing. Yeah, yeah. I love what you have to say about the difference between building and scaling and how that you've reordered that. And people are often the the difference between success and, and failure. So managing those people relationships is, and, you know, it's often the most time consuming, isn't it? managing those relationships but unless you do you're not going to have the success further down the line so I wanted to switch it up a bit and talk about the other side of the 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 journey we go on to revenue growth which is in terms of the customer and the experience that that they have and I know you've got an example of working with a customer and helping them become more uh, customer uh, customer centric and and looking at the the buyer's experience to impact sales so uh, talk to me more about that yeah so and and I can do it in the sense of we just did this internally at Smartbug, right? Like we we looked at our entire it was it was huge. It was a rock for the entire company, right? So from finance to our creative departments to our sales department to our marketing department and all of client services. And what I found the most interesting is when the when the goal started of like we want to map our customer journey, find the pinch points, and come up with solutions. It started with not including sales and marketing. And and I I came in and I was like, wait, what? Like, what is 
going on, right? Like they are our first impression. It's our brand that is a part of the journey. And sales is the first person that has true like communication and FaceTime and rapport building. They are the first impression. Why in the world, right? Would we not include them in the customer journey? So, so why in the world did that happen? Because I would imagine there's lots of other organization where that has happened or will happen. What was the thinking behind that for, for that to come about? Yeah, because customer is defined post-sale. That's what it is, right? Not to me, right? But to all of my counterparts, customer is defined as someone that already signed on the dotted line. And so how are they onboarded, right? Like that was, sales was a part of that. But it's like, what about everything before that? What about that experience as a prospect? Because the way I look at it is everyone out there can be my customer. And so I am going to continue to put a, put the right face on, like make sure that we're getting the exposure. Prospect is future customer. And it's it's just not looked like at, looked at like that in operational departments sometimes. It's really interesting. I talk about the buyer experience. And because unless you get the buyer's experience correct, you're not going to have a customer to deliver the customer yeah. experience. And it's and I, I, I knew you were going down that line. It's interesting. We're so focused on the customer experience that there's so many consultants and, you know, tools available for that. But actually, what's the point in it? What is the point unless you start with the buyer's experience and that whole journey, not just yeah. a piece of the journey? So I love what you had to uh, had to say. So you um, identified the, the the journey that you, the buyers and the customers actually go on, and, and and I love that you fought for that. Once you identified the pinch points, what what was the next stage? Yeah. So we work on something called quarterly rocks at SmartBug. Um, a little bit of EOS blended in through the org. Um, but uh, every single department had a, um, a leader of that rock, an executive sponsor. So they have to check in with me on progress on some of them. Um, and then a team below them that are all coming up with ways to solve and and implement this fix. So one example could be something as small as our our customer onboarding from sales to client delivery feels clunky and we're not always getting the most value. And here are some examples and what that team has done is they've interviewed like 25 people that are involved in that process or have ancillarily seen like what's working what's not working and they gave candid real feedback, consolidated, consolidated that into how many times was this mentioned, this mentioned, this mentioned, highlighted those, and then came out with an executable plan based on priority on how we're going to fix those things. Um, a lot of it is process. A ton of it is process. And how do you make it so not over process engineered where you're not enabling your teams to actually do it without it being a pain in the butt? is the next thing, which is why I'm an executive sponsor on that one. I'm like, no, we're not going to make sales do A, B, C, and D, right? Or we're not going to get on a hundred more calls. Like we've got to make this efficient and enable our teams to continue to do it long-term. Love that. Love that. So what was the, um, why did you start down this process? What was the trigger to it? Because there are a lot of organizations think they're customer centric and, some others will look at the journey and not really go as in depth. 
So there must have been quite a big trigger to actually pull the organization through this journey. You know, interesting. interestingly enough, there wasn't like, it's not like all of a sudden we had high churn or we had a lot of dissatisfaction. It was, we're rooted in a marketing organization, right? And so we're constantly thinking about how we do this for ourselves because we do it for our clients all the time. And it's like, how are we make sure we're constantly drinking our own Kool-Aid or champagne, right? I prefer champagne. So drinking our own champagne, (laughs) but we have to do that. So if we're doing it for others, let's make sure we're doing it for ourselves. The other piece is we've scaled quickly. And when you scale, things get wonky, right? Like we've done a reorg since I've come in because we needed to get the structure right, right? Um, but, But some of those, even fixing processes, sometimes the customer journey gets like pushed back a little bit while you're doing all these operational things, we need to make sure we were bringing it back to um, top of mind. So now you've, you've gone through that process. Where are you now? What are the results? What are you looking at? Yep. So due by the end of the month is the first We I think we ended up like with 40 pinch points, right? Like we went in the weeds. Um, we were able to say these 17 are like actually things that are very um, high priority. We need to make sure we're addressing these. Um, we took half of those for this quarter. And so those have been um, rolled out across the group. And at the end of the quarter, we will have each group present to the entire organization. This was the original pain point. Here's our solve. And then they'll create a video that's post that they get the opportunity to review that. And then each team will be trained if there's any process changes. Right. So more to come. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't ever end. Right. No. Janice, it's constant. And I love that we did it in like one mapping and one big group, but you need to do this every day, right? You have to constantly look at what was the experience and step back and get out of your departmental hat and be like, I wonder what it felt like to truly be a client in this situation. Um, If you're a a senior leader and you're responsible for touching the customer journey in any way, shape and form, you should be doing that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hear you and absolutely concur with you. And it's wonderful to have your example as to, you know, the process that that um, many sales uh, revenue generating organizations need to go through. So I think it's quite enlightening and a breath of fresh air. So well done. <laughs> Good, thanks. What, so what practical strategy, strategy would you offer listeners to enable them, uh, their buyers to buy? Oh, enabling buyers to buy. So um, the big thing for me, so I I look at myself, anytime I ask this question or I'm thinking of strategies for my team and how to help them, I say, what what makes me buy, right? Because I'm also a buyer, right? As a CRO, I am buying technology. I am responsible for spending our budget um, as a good steward of capital. And so um, sellers, if you don't show me ROI, or how this is going to solve my problem, I am not going to buy. That's it. It's as simple as that, but we miss it so much because often we're trained on all of these different sales methodologies. And a lot of them are very, very good, right? You could have Challenger in there. You could have, you could have Sandler in there, right? Uh, the uh, there's, there's so many prescriptive, right? Medic, you go through the list and they're great, but they don't teach you truly how to present ROI in an appropriate way. They get you to an emotional state. Maybe it's spin selling, right? They take that emotion, but what are you doing in your solution 
to show you told me that you were having a pain here. If I take that pain and I correlate it to ROI, I'm sold. That's what I need. It's what I have to bring to the board yeah. if I want extra budget. And so um, if you can figure out sales leaders, sellers, if you can figure out a very simple way to operationalize showing ROI for your product, you win. It could be a calculator. It could be something so simple, but you've got to figure that out for your team. And they cannot generally do that on their own. They need leadership support to show how do we get together or as a team to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. All right, Stephanie, if you're on a desert island on your own, what's the one thing you would take with you? Oh, I always answer this question with Tosco. <laughs> I would bring Costco. Um, no, you can't bring a Costco. Look, I um I I uh love Audible. It is my happy place. Um I it love devouring um murder mysteries and and all of those just like juicy um thrillers and so I love that I try to sneak in a really good um sales book or leadership book so it would probably be my headphones um attached to my cell phone so that I could lay on that desert island and listen to my book well, you know, I know you've got a lot going on there. So I th I think it, it wouldn't be such a hardship, really, isn't it? Having that time to go through Audible. <laughs> You'll even can have the survival guides on Audible. Everything will totally. be fine. Yeah. I know. I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, how can listeners get hold of you? Um, very active on LinkedIn. It's my social of choice. So um, please do connect with me there. Um, I think it's just Valenti S it's it, as my um, link. So please do connect. I will accept. I love um, having a large community to teach and mentor, and I'm sure I'll learn something from you all as well. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, this has been an absolute blessing. I've loved it. Thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Your Sales podcast, Stephanie Valenti. Thank you. This was so much fun. Thanks for having me, Janice. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.